0: Psalm uh, 119, as many of you know, uh, is a psalm that teaches us to love the God of the Word, uh, to love the Word of God, and also to love the ways of God. This psalm that consists of 176 verses will pay rich dividends in the lives of those who read these verses. If you want your walk with God to be enriched, if you want your walk with God to be strengthened and helped, then Psalm 119 is indeed a psalm that you, as a child of God, must spend time in. There's a phrase uh, in Psalm 119 that could easily be ignored. It can easily be missed. It's a phrase that has four words. And it occurs five times in these 176 verses. And the phrase is, with all my heart. With all my heart. You can find variations of this phrase in other portions of scripture. The most common variation is, with all your heart. And some of you hearing that phrase with all your heart, your mind might go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, where it says that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart. Israel was grounded and taught that it was their responsibility to love God with all of their heart. And many years later, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was on earth, uh, when he was asked about what is the greatest commandment, our Lord responded in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. And he said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. With all your heart. That's an important phrase in Scripture. One of our former members who has gone to be with the Lord, her favorite verse was Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And some of you, again, are familiar with that passage of Scripture where we are exhorted to trust in the Lord. How? With all our heart. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This phrase basically can be summarized with one word, wholeheartedness. And that's what I want to talk to you about today from our text, wholeheartedness. And I want us to see the significance of this word, this phrase for you and for me. And I want us to see that by looking at Psalm 119 and looking at each occurrence of that phrase with all my heart. Because I believe as we do that, we will learn from the psalmist what it means to live life to the glory and honor of God. We will learn what it means to give our everything to the one who is the creator of us. There's three things that I want you to see. And the first one is that the psalmist teaches us that wholeheartedness is related to our pursuit of God. When we think about pursuing God, don't miss out on the idea of wholeheartedness. The verse that I want us to look at, verse 10, is in the context of the psalmist asking a very important question. And that question is, how can a young man keep his way pure? And don't think that that question is only for young people. It's really for every child of God. The question is, how can the child of God live a clean and pure life? When we think about the fact that we live in a dirty world, we we, we live in a world that can defile us, and soil us. The question of the psalmist is a good question. How, by what means, can a person live a clean and pure life? How can a person stay pure when impurity is all around us? The psalmist answers that question in the last part of verse 9. He says, by keeping your way according to the word of God. That is letting the word of God be your standard, your map for how you live your life. That's the psalmist's general answer. You want to live a clean life? You want to live a pure life? Keep your life according to the word of God. But he goes into particulars. He testifies about how he has lived a pure life. How he is going through the steps of keeping himself pure In a dirty world. And that brings us to verse 10. He tells us what he does. And what the psalmist does is that he seeks God. He has sought after God. Look at verse 10. The psalmist says, with all my heart, I have sought thee. Do not let me wander from thy commandments. The, the psalmist is not speaking to a particular audience, of people. He's not addressing Israel. He's not addressing the reader of this psalm. He's talking to God. And in reality, he's praying to God. And he's raising the question before God, how can I live a pure life? And he says, God, this is what I am doing. I have sought thee. His declaration. In verse 10, is that he has sought the true and living God. That's where it begins. That's where his journey started on living a pure life. He sought an intimate, personal relationship with God. And he declares to God that not only has he sought him, But he says, I've sought you with all my heart. That's that phrase, with all my heart. And what he's saying is that he has sought God sincerely and totally and completely. That that in his seeking of God, in in his desire to have an intimate and personal relationship with God, in, in his drive to day in and day out, have this relationship with God. He says, I've done that with all my heart. I, I haven't held anything back at all. God, I'm all in, in trying to seek you, in trying to pursue you, in trying to have this relationship with you. He's letting us know that wholeheartedness relates to our pursuit of the God of heaven and earth. And the psalmist says that when it comes to his life, he's not half-stepping. He's not lackadaisical. He's not seeking God with a part of his heart, or with some of his heart, or with half of his heart. No, he is seeking God with all of his heart. His will, his affection, his mind are all involved in his search and seeking of God. Nothing is held back. He's not keeping anything back. He's letting go of everything so that he can search for God and seek God. He gave 110% in his quest for the living God. When he sought God, he also sought God humbly. He sought God in a humble humble manner. That's what the last part of verse 10 is all about. When the psalmist says in that verse, do not let me wander from thy commandments. That expresses his humility. Humility. That's him saying that even though I've done all that I think that I can do, the the best of my efforts are not enough. He's not bragging here. He's not saying, look at what I have done, God. I've sought you with all of my heart, and surely you will reward me. No, as he looks at his effort in pursuing God, he humbly admits that the best of his efforts are not enough. And so he adds, God, make sure that I don't wander from thy commandments. I'm seeking you. I'm going after you. I'm pursuing you. But please, God, make me not wander and drift away from your word. And you've heard me talk about this over and over again. The four D's of verse 10, the desire and determination of the psalmist. "I've sought you with all my heart. But then there's the distrust and dependency. He doesn't trust himself. He doesn't rely upon the fact, "Well, I've done all that I can, I've sought God with all my heart, so it's going to work out, I'll find Him, etc. No, the psalmist says, "I don't trust myself, God." I need you. I'm dependent upon you. Don't let me wander from thy commandments. And I just want to stress to all of us, as we live our lives for God, we must understand. Yet yeah, desire and determination is important, but distrust and dependence upon God is equally important. You will never ever be the person that God wants you to be in your own effort and in your own strength. And so you need to be crying out to God as you search for him, as you seek him, as you pursue him, God, God. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Don't let me go astray. Don't let me get off the right path. This wholehearted and humbled Pursuit of God is a noble pursuit. It's a noble pursuit. All of the things that you can think about pursuing, there is nothing better, there's nothing that compares with pursuing God. When you line up all of the good things a person might pursue or all of the things a person might chase after, there's nothing that compares with seeking God and pursuing God. Whether you're young, in middle school, or whether you're a senior citizen, getting ready to go to the rest home, the pursuit of God is what it is all about. It's a noble pursuit. Chase it. Go after it the best that you can with God's help and strength. It's a balancing pursuit. And what I mean by that, if you got this right, if you put God first, if you put the pursuit of him first, then all the other pursuits will have their proper perspective. Unfortunately, people pursue things other than God. They pursue individuals other than God. In the things that they pursue or the individual that they pursue, in reality, they have made that individual or that thing into a god, into an idol. We talked about guarding ourselves from idols. If you don't have this at the top of your list, if this is not what you're pursuing, God, If it's just on the list, but it's not at the top of the list, that it's not on the list each and every day, then what's going to happen is that which you have put above this becomes your God. And so the psalmist, he's not pursuing the word as the number one thing. He's not pursuing purity as the number one thing. He's not pursuing a commandment. He's pursuing God. With all of my heart, I have sought you, God. And in doing that, it puts everything else in perspective. And I want you to know that this is an achievable pursuit. You can achieve this. I don't want you to think that somehow God is playing hide and seek with you. That you're. Chasing, trying to find God, and God is ducking and dodging and hiding from you. That is not what is being said here. God can be found. Obviously, it's talking to a person who has been born again, been saved. But as a believer, as a child of God, God can be found. And God made it known to the nation of Israel in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13. God said to the nation of Israel, listen to these words. Jeremiah twenty-nine, thirteen. mark them. God said, and you will seek me and find me. I'm glad about that. God says, you'll seek me and you'll find me. When? When you search for me with all your heart. He he gives us the solution here. Yes, we are to pursue God. And when we pursue God, we're to do with all our heart. We, We are to do it trusting and relying upon God to enable us and to help us. And God said, when you pursue me, you'll find me. You will enjoy that intimate, personal, close relationship that God wants you to have. And so I ask you the question, are you seeking God? That's a good personal question. You should be asking yourself, am I seeking God? Is there evidence in my walk with God? Is there testimony? Is there proof? That I am seeking God. Not just seeking God in the midst of all other things that I'm seeking, but seeking God at the top of my list. Does your Bible intake? Prayer life? Worshiping of God? and serving of God? Testify? that you are seeking God with all your heart? Can your Bible take the witness stand and say that you are seeking God with all your heart? Because that doesn't mean just going out there and looking for him in the sky. That's looking for him in the word of God where he has revealed himself. Does your prayer life testify that you are seeking God? Does your worship of God, individual and corporate, does that testify to you seeking God? Your service. Does your service say you're seeking God? Have you fallen into the trap of thinking that I don't have to serve him? There's others who will do that. What does your service say about you seeking God with all your heart? Wholeheartedness is to mark our pursuit of God. But there's more to this wonderful phrase, with all my heart. There's more that can be said. The psalmist also teaches us about wholeheartedness in our obedience to God. Wholeheartedness in our obeying God. A major theme in Psalm 119 is the fact that the psalmist is committed to obeying the word of God. You you can't read this psalm and, and walk away with the idea that the psalmist just wants to know the word. No, he wants not only to know it, but he wants to live it. This man clearly loves the Word of God. You you can't read all of these verses and start in verse 1 and end up in verse 176 and think he doesn't love the Word. But equally important is, not only does he love the Word, he lives the Word. Uh, he, He has this desire and a delight in the Word, but he's determined to practice the word. It's his commitment that he's going to be a doer of the word. And there's a lot of things that I could say and I will just say to you. Read through the psalm and look for the different times where the psalmist talks about his obedience and commitment to being a doer of the word. There are two verses that I want us to look at that point this truth out. That wholeheartedness is connected with our obeying God. And the first verse is in verse 34, Psalm 119, verse 34. When you come to this stanza, remember the psalm is divided up into stanzas of eight verses each. But when you come to verses 33 through 40, This stanza is all about prayer. Each portion, each verse talks about prayer. And I just want you quickly to see the prayers. I hope you have your Bible open. Psalm 119, verse 33. I'm just going to pick out the phrase. He says in verse 33, teach me. Verse 34, give me understanding. Verse 35, make me walk. Verse 36, incline my heart. Verse 37, turn away my eye and also revive me. Verse 38, establish thy word. Verse 39, turn away my reproach. Verse 40, revive me. Simple, short prayer requests. Nine different prayer requests in these eight verses. But I want us to look at the prayer request in verse 34, because in verse 34, and also we'll see in verse 69, that phrase, with all my heart, is used in relationship to obedience. Not just in relationship to pursuing God, but also in relationship to obedience, obeying God. The verse 34, it really is united with verse 33, where the psalmist says, Wants God to give him an informed mind. And so he says in verse 33, God, teach me. Teach me. And then he says in verse 34, the one that I want us to zero in on, give me understanding. God, I, I want you to grant me something. I want you to give me understanding. I want you to give me wisdom and insight when it comes to your word. And he's pointing out something very important here. He's saying that obedience is not to come from a person who's acting like a robot or a wife. It's not mechanical. When it comes to obeying God's word, you need wisdom, you need understanding if you're going to be successful in doing what God says. God is not calling on you just to be a robot. He's not calling on you to be a mechanical individual. God doesn't just say, cut off your fingers, and you're not supposed to ask, well, why? Here the psalmist is saying, I need understanding, God. God. I need you to give me wisdom and insight concerning the commands of your word. For what purpose? For what goal? He, he says, give me an understanding that I may observe thy law and keep it. That's why he wants understanding. He, he's not trying to impress the Sunday school class. He's not trying to be a preacher who impresses the congregation with their knowledge of the word, their understanding of the word. No, he wants understanding so that he might live the word. A lot of people want understanding. They want God to teach them so they can be an impressive preacher, a weighty preacher, etc. No, the psalmist said, I want understanding because I'm committed to obeying your word. Give me understanding that I may observe thy law and keep it. Observe, keep, those are cousins. They, They both refer to doing the word. Observe is more than just looking, it's actually doing. And so the psalmist says, God, give me understanding, give me wisdom, give me insight so I can put this stuff together and live your word. And when he says, so that he might keep it, he goes on to say, the manner of keeping it, with all my heart. That's the kind of obedience to God's word that he wants. That it can be said, it's with all my heart. Meaning that it's not something coming from the outside, but the inside. It's not something that I'm forced to do externally, but I want to do it internally. My will, my affection, my mind. I want to obey your word, God, with all my heart. He's not interested in half-hearted obedience. He's not interested in shallow obedience. He wants to obey God from the depths of his soul with every part of his being. That's what he wants. And he lets us know that wholeheartedness is connected with obedience. This wholehearted obedience is to take place regardless of the circumstances. The, the psalmist would stand before you and argue that it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter if you're on top of the mountain or at the bottom of the valley. That does not remove the desire, the determination, the commitment to obey the word of God. And that's what the other verse tells us. If you turn with me to Psalm 119, verse 69, the psalmist talks about something that is going on in his life. He says in verse 69, the arrogant have forged a lie against me. The word is very graphic. It means that they have smeared him. They have plastered him with that which is not true. It's like they've come up with a concoction and they've thrown that on the psalmist, so you don't see who he actually is. You see this distorted picture. He says, this is what my enemies have done. The the arrogant. He's not under any kind of delusion that if I committed to obeying God's word, then life is going to be wonderful. No, life was hard for him. Life was difficult. He talks about princes speaking against him. And here, he says, the arrogant, my enemies, have spread a bunch of lies on me. So that when people look at me, they don't see me, they see the lie. But he goes on to say, with all my heart, I will observe, or keep, or obey thy precepts. Do you hear that? Many times we shy away from obeying the word of God and doing the word of God because of hardship and difficulties and affliction. We think, well, my boss is not treating me right. My my wife is not, the dog is not even treating me right. And we think that that somehow gives me a, 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 a pass that I don't have to obey God's word. No, the word of God is to be obeyed at all times, from the heart. Even when I'm being crushed, even when I'm being beaten, even when I'm being mistreated, I am to keep the word with all of my heart. None of the enthusiasm, none of the commitment. I'm all in, even when my world is upside down. That's how he responded. And I would say to you that if you were to examine Psalm 119 and look at this man's life, it would reveal that his obedience was immediate. He says, I don't delay to keep your word. That is, he's not going to start obeying God tomorrow. He's not going to start obeying God when he gets comfortable, when God does for me what I want him to do. His obedience was immediate. It was passionate. He talked about, oh, that I may observe thy law. There was something that burned within him, that he wanted to be a doer of the word of God. His obedience was total. Every part of his life, his body, he wanted to submit To the word of God. His eye, turn my eyes away from looking at evil. Let my mouth speak only that comes out of your mouth. Every part of his life, he wanted committed to God, to obey God. It was to be long term, and as we see, it was to be wholehearted. I don't know what you're going through, but whatever you're going through is no excuse for not obeying God with all of your heart. No excuse whatsoever. Wholeheartedness is to mark our obedience to God. There's one more thing that I want us to see with regards to this marvelous phrase, with all my heart, and that is the psalmist teaches us about wholeheartedness in our prayers to God. Wholeheartedness in our prayers to God. And this really should not shock us at all, because when you read Psalm 119, many would suggest that basically it's just the psalmist talking to God. Praying to God, telling God what's going on in his life, what's happening, etc. It seems to be one long prayer. But we've seen some individual prayer in those verses, 33 through 40. Teach me, give me understanding, make me walk, incline my heart. And so it's not shocking at all to the reader of Psalm 119 that the psalmist would apply this phrase with all my heart to his prayer life. And I'm glad that he did. Because if there's one place that we need to manifest this wholeheartedness, this earnestness, it's in our prayer life. And so we need to learn this marvelous lesson that we see in the life of the psalmist. Two verses that I want us to see. Two verses that will drive home to us. The relationship between with all my heart and praying to God. The first verse is verse 58. Look at it. Psalm 119, verse 58. I entreated thy favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to thy word. Verse 57, the psalmist says, the Lord is my portion. He also says in that verse that he promises to keep God's word. And then in verse 58, he says he prays to God for his grace. He prays to God for his favor. Remember, we saw that he didn't want to do anything without the enablement of God. And now he says, God, I entreated. Thy favor, literally, I entreated thy face. I come to your face. And that word entreated could actually picture kind of caressing or rubbing the face. And if so, the psalmist is expressing prayer in an intimate, close way. God, I come to you, your face, and I'm seeking your favor. I need your grace. I need it, God. And so he says, I have prayed, I have prayed with all my heart. I have not held anything back at all in my prayer life. As I ask this request, as I make this request, I do it. Not with my eyes half closed. Not with my eyes droopy and sleepy. God, I'm not praying to you and barely can get words out. God, I'm not praying to you as I quickly rush through the prayer now let lay me down to see the Lord, pray the Lord my soul to keep. Amen. Jesus wept. But he prayed with all his heart. Now, I don't know about you. I know my heart. I know my prayer life. That there are times that my prayer life does not demonstrate earnestness. That it doesn't demonstrate wholeheartedness. Just reading a prayer list, a prayer item. Not praying with the mind, not praying with the heart. Just saying what I see written. The psalmist entreated God wholeheartedly. He wanted God to be gracious to him. He didn't pray with a distracted mind. He didn't pray with a disinterested or bored mind. He prayed with all his heart. And the same idea is expressed in the last verse that I want us to see, and that's verse 145. The same idea of wholeheartedness when it comes to our prayer life. The psalmist says in verse 145, I cried. Notice what he said. With all my heart, answer me, O Lord. I will observe thy statues. I cried. Not with tears coming out of his eyes. He cried with his voice. He, he called upon God. He, he lifted his voice and he cried out, to the God of heaven and earth. And he says he did that with all his heart. He wasn't just going through the motion. This was not just just some external routine. This was earnest prayer. This was calling upon the name of God in prayer, fully aware of his will, his affection, his mind, being engaged in what he was praying for. Some of us, when we pray, we don't even engage our mind with what we're asking for. But the psalmist says that he cried with all his heart. Wholeheartedness is often missing from our prayers. I have a friend of mine, Preached on this particular verse in his church, and he told me after church that he was guilty of times of not praying with all his heart. He said he was leading the communion service, and as he was leading the communion service, he said in his prayer to God, bless this food for the nourishment of my body. Some of you probably have never even prayed that, so maybe you're not getting it. But, but we pray and we don't engage our, our, our heart and our mind. And I hope that in the many different prayers that we pray here at Fairview, that, that we are, our prayers are marked by wholeheartedness, by earnestness, that they're coming from the depths of our souls. And we have to guard ourselves in this area. Because it's so easy to say, well, I prayed my minute, or I prayed my five minutes, or I've gone through the prayer list, and move on. But prayer is to be a way of life. With a whole heart, it's a wonderful expression in Psalm 119. And a proper understanding of this phrase Means that our pursuit of God, our obedience to God, our prayers to God, are to be marked by wholeheartedness. I learned about this word in an indirect way when I was in high school playing basketball. The coach didn't use this term wholeheartedness Uh, he didn't say when you play basketball play it with all your heart no he had another way of getting the message across to me and the other players he would say to us quit shucking and jiving quit shucking and jiving that's what we ought to learn from the psalmist's life, that we need to quit shucking and jiving when it comes to pursuing God. We need to seek him with all our heart. We need to quit shucking and jiving when it comes to obeying God. Our obedience to God should be reflective of the fact that we love him. And we're thankful and we're privileged that we can obey him. And we want to obey him forever and ever, but we also want to obey him with all of our heart and being. We need to quit shucking and jiving when it comes to our prayers to God. Falling asleep during prayer time. Rushing through our prayers. Not even taking advantage of the wonderful privilege that we have to talk to God in prayer. Acting like it's no big deal, that it doesn't really mean anything at all. We, as the children of God, need to quit shucking and jiving when it comes to our prayers to God. Obviously, this idea of wholeheartedness begins with giving your whole heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Christ. But once you become a child of God, your walk with God needs to be marked by wholeheartedness. Like the psalmist, we are to... With all of our heart, pursue God, obey God, and pray to God. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to learn from the psalmist, to get a better glimpse and understanding of what this phrase, with all my heart, actually means. Thank you that we have seen it played out in the life of this man who loves your word, who loves your ways, and who loves you. Help us to learn from him. May our pursuit of you, may our obedience to you, may our prayers to you be marked by wholeheartedness. May it be clear that we are all in that we're giving 110% we're doing all that we can do humanly possible to have an intimate personal relationship with you to be doers of your word and to be able to cry out to you Lord may it be true of us that we love you with all of our heart with all of our soul and with all of our mind and strength. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.